Podcast. Welcome. This is episode 113. I'm here with David and Lewis. Hey. Hey, what's up, everybody? And this is Bobby. And we're back. And we're actually back with a win, you guys. Uh, a win. What? Yeah, I don't know what to say. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I summed it up best when I said, oh, my what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, eh, I, I don't know what to do. I mean, I had a I, I had a I guess good it fits rant. in with last week. Uh, sh- yeah. Like all the games in with last week. I guess it fits in with all the, the odd results. Ah, all put I mean, in, bunched in together. Look. Let, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go full, full on honesty, Dave. Okay, is, is maybe this is a new segment. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm kind of bummed about the win, um, mainly because what? I felt. Yeah, mainly because I felt that um, if we would have lost this game, maybe they would have fired Siggy. Um, I don't think that would have happened, to be honest. Uh, you don't think no, so? That uh, I, I, I'm also kind of bummed because um, the circumstances of the game um, created a situation where we were actually successful for a little while. And it made me bummed because I know that as soon as everybody's back, those, you know, that, all that's going to get thrown out the window and we're going to go back to the same, the same thing that we've been seeing. Well... Well, I, I I don't feel exactly. The, I mean, I don't I don't I don't agree to so much, but I do feel exactly the same. I feel kind of bummed out after this win because basically, it wasn't a good game. We didn't play well um, throughout the ninety. I just don't think we did. Um, it it was um, it was unfortunate to watch Latan go out on the red on something he's he just knows better not to do. Well, it was dessert. Um, Come on. And no, I know, but I'm just saying he knows better not to do. Uh, <clears throat> it just it just seems so crappy and then the way we won the game was what i call a hell mary when you throw out the yeah. ball and you expect boatang to backhead a pass <laughs> the <laughs> smallest fucking player on the field to give it to kamara and kamara actually trusted boa to get his head on that ball to actually make his run and complete the fucking strike to get the goal i mean in, in all mary in all in all fairness um that play would anybody have expected that play at all? No. Maybe no. it was brilliant. <laughs> not perfect. Not maybe, not, not that perfectly. But I have seen Boa, you know, achieve certain things like that. But not that perfect. But it was, yeah. But it was just, ah, come on. Hey, th- th- through, the, through the first four games of the season, we were trying to corner kicks to Boateng. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, this is the stuff he was showing in practice, which which made us implement that that game plan in the first place. Uh-huh. He's like heading. Who knows? Maybe he's in practice, like a heading like a like a man on fire, and yeah. maybe Siggy's like, hmm, we got something here. Um, I mean, but look, <laughs> it's true. But look, no, Siggy, I know it is. That's why I'm laughing so fucking hard. <laughs> look, Siggy Siggy trots out the same four two three two four four two three one. Sorry, uh, four two three one. Um, with some new outside backs, obviously, because uh, Ralph Felcher is still out. And so the rotating uh, right back position this time went to Emma, uh, Emma Clementa. Uh, Ashley Cole was out, so Romney played in his actual position. Um, Legette uh, played centrally, where, you know, last week I think played, you know, to, on the right. Um, and, and Zlatan at the point. 
and Ola Kamara on the left wing again. So it was basically it's the same shit. It was it was a lack of movement. It was there was a lack of of creativity. There was a lack of urgency all throughout the first half of the game. Um, it, it just it, it these guys are not motivated. I mean, there's a there's a uh, there's a clip that somebody posted on Twitter of the Galaxy trying to play out of the back in this. Um, in this game, like they they went in and basically like cut all of the 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 clips together of the Galaxy trying to play out of the back and failing in in every attempt, and uh, it got a lot of attention. It got attention from Telethwalman. It got attention from Grant Wall, uh, and and basically the narrative was here is your, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the most expensive uh, backline in MLS, um, and I think that's a little unfair. Um, mainly because you have uh, Dave Romney and Emma Clementa uh, paired up with uh, Jorgen Shelvik and, and Michael Siani. And yeah, Siani and Shelvik are very expensive. Um, but they're not, they, you know, but, but also you look at Romney and Clementa, they both make like $67,000 or something like that. Uh, I think uh, Dave Romney makes seventy four and, and Clementa makes 67 so that certainly isn't the most expensive backline um, on the field, at, at least. And yeah, they're going to struggle trying to play out of the back. And I got to say, Emma Clementa had a really, really rough game. I mean, he looked completely lost. So here's the thing. I mean, everybody was wondering why not start Clementa at the right back position the, the moment that Belcher went down, because that's the reason why you brought him in the first place in case... Uh, uh, the the right back, the starting right back went down. You had the depth that you did not have last season, and so when you're starting uh, Steris and Romney and you know wh- whoever else you decided to, uh, to to put in there at the time, if Zardes was still there here, they probably would have used him uh, in the back as well. Well, now you kind of know. Now you kind of know that obviously um, he he was brought in from a USL side. And he made the jump into MLS, and obviously it, it looks like the, the jump is um, a little too um, out of reach for him. But in all fairness, you really couldn't expect too much um, out of the first game. But it appears that the, the coaching staff had reason to keep him out for so long and try other players before he got a chance. I, I can't imagine that, it, I mean, even with the rough game that he had, I, I got to figure that you got to put him in before Steris anyway. But you can see why uh, the, the coaching staff was so hesitant to, to put him in. However, that being said, why bring him on the team anyway? I mean, it, it, w- what exactly were you looking at that you thought that this was going to be MLS caliber and that you were going to use him 100%? I mean, that's, again, it goes back to bad scouting. Um, it, it was a waste. It, it appears that it, it's a waste of a roster spot at this point. Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, a lot of people felt uh, after we hadn't seen him for a while, he was he really he truly was a Galaxy Two signing. Um, but you know, he doesn't make that much money. Uh, there is there is some potential. He's an international. Um, but yeah, it, it was really evident the guy was way out of his depth against a really bad Montreal team. Exactly. So imagine, and I think imagine what he's going to be like against, you know, a good team in, in the league. Right. Or even a decent team in the league. I mean, go up against like some middle of the table team and uh, 
he'll struggle even even more. So obviously that right back position, the, the problem with that position still remains. And um, it's going to be interesting to see what, what the Galaxy do uh, going forward. Um, I hear Jeff Cameron is going coming back to MLS, so that's uh-huh. kind of interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to We're at the top of that location spot. Oh, well, there you go. Um, let's not talk about that yet. Um, so, so positives about the game, uh, aside from the win, uh, for all the crap that we gave the back line and for good reason, um, hey, you posted a clean sheet. Yep. So, you know, that that's actually a positive, whether you want to admit it or not, whether it was luck. I give Bingham a little bit more of that credit in the back line. No, no, no. I agree. I, I agree that, that, that Bingham uh, made some spectacular saves, um, had one of his hot games. I know a lot of people hate on Bingham, but uh, we, we've said it several times. He's going to run hot and cold. Um, in all honesty, from my personal opinion, I want to say he's actually ran more, uh, more hot than cold uh, yeah. so far this season. If I'm being perfectly fair, I don't want to throw the guy under the bus. I, I think that I give him the benefit of the doubt, especially with the back line being the way it is. Uh, he's left out to dry sometimes, in, in which case that... There's not really much that he can do. Other times, yes, he does make a mistake. But overall, I think that he's run uh, better than most people have given him credit for. This is another one of those games. I really can't say... I really can't really fault a team for winning a game that they were supposed to win, regardless of how ugly it was and how difficult they made it. Uh, I think... Before we started this uh, road trip, I said that we could come back undefeated. I still stand by that st- that statement. We, we weren't that far off from getting results in either two uh, in the the previous two games. We were not that far off from a draw in Houston, last minute goal, and uh, definitely could have tied the game in Dallas and could have came back undefeated from the road trip. So I, I wasn't too far off with that prediction per se. So I really can't fault a team for doing what they were supposed to be doing finally. I can't fault a team for the way they're doing it. And it, it really does look like, and David said it already, I mean, this, this team is just not cohesive. Obviously, that's a lot to do with Siggy, with his tactics, with his game plan, with the formations, the, the, the players playing out of position. And, uh, you know, I, I got to give some props to the team, especially Ola Kamara who has been playing out of position and is still the team's leading goal scorer. He's still doing what he was uh, brought in to do, what he's being paid to do out of position. I have to give the guy all the props in the world here. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you you look at a guy like Ola Kamara and it would be really easy to say, well, I'm being played out of position. I'm not being appreciated. Uh, I'm just not going to. You know, I, I'm just not going to give my my all. But w- what we've seen from Ola is that he's given every he's given this team everything. He's given them um, more than than everything. Uh, he's leaving everything he's got out on the field, and he he put the team on the on his shoulders in this game, and and he he made something happen, and and uh, you know playing at his as at his central uh, forward position, he made something happen, and and I think. It would be really terrible for the front office and Siggy to ignore the fact that when Ola is up top, he can make stuff happen. So um, I'm hoping that the team learns from this. I'm hoping that the coaching staff learns from this. And I'm hoping that, that Ola is treated with a little bit more 
uh, reverence when it comes to uh, you know what where he's placed on the field and uh, where he's going to be you know put to succeed. So it's it's nice to see Ola get something. It's nice to see Boateng get something. And um, as much as much crap as we're going to give um, Siggy and we've given Siggy. I think his substitutions, uh, especially that of Boateng, were were the right call. Uh, and and at the time, you took out Legit and Alessandrini for Boateng and Pontius, and we all thought, oh wow, okay, that that this is it, this is the end. Uh, how are you going to take out the you know the Galaxy's you know uh, talisman in Alessandrini and one of the hardest working guys on the field in in Legit for? You know, let's just say a mediocre MLS talent like Pontius and and uh, and Boateng. But you know, credit credit where it's due. As, as Bobby said, Boateng uh, makes something happen. He gives Ola Kamara a chance, half a chance. Uh, Kamara takes it, and and they come away with three points. Now, you have to also take in consideration that Montreal was really bad. Um, they Bingham made some good bad saves, teams. but. Yeah, Bingham made some good saves, but Montreal also made some pretty bad shots and and made really bad decisions in the final third that caused them to not have good chances. Uh, Shelvick actually stepped up and blocked quite a few of their chances. Um, so, you know, take 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 it all for what it's worth. Um, two bad teams, the LA Galaxy, the less bad of those teams. Yeah, I, I mean, th- this is a team that should have had absolutely no problem beating a Montreal side as bad as they are. I They have significantly more talent than Montreal, with the exception of maybe Piotti. There was no reason to, to have struggled in this game. You were, at least on the stat table, you were pretty much dominated. Uh, you had less ball possession. I'm pretty sure the uh, playing with 10 men in the second half uh, had a lot to do with that. You were outshot 23 to 7. 23 to 7. That's a lot. However, there were only a couple chances that Montreal created and, and, you know, Bingham stepped up. Only had five shots on goal or five shots on target out of the 23. The Galaxy, four out of the seven. So as far as like accuracy and making the most of your chances, the Galaxy did just that. But you shouldn't have have struggled against a team as bad as Montreal. That's where the criticism comes in. Not so much that you won the game only 1-0. It's, it's three points is three points. It doesn't matter how you get it, how ugly it is. Oh, and we needed this three points yeah. too. Like we and, needed and you, it. Right. You, you cannot lose five games in a row. You cannot lose against one of the worst teams in the league. You cannot lose against a team that had not scored uh, in two games, that have lost uh, back-to-back home games. Lost to Philly! Lost to Philadelphia at home, 2-0. There's no way the Galaxy can lose or even tie this game. They had to have won this game. They, they got it. So, you know, I, I I commend them for that. But let's go ahead and talk about... Uh, there's a couple things that I want to talk about, and they do focus around Zlatan, obviously, because everything is drawn to him. So Zlatan loses his mind, slaps a bitch, and gets sent off. <laughs> Um, obvious red card. I don't think anyone's arguing the red card. Uh, you cannot, you cannot do that in MLS. In fact, you cannot do that in the sport. It's going to be, or at least it should be an automatic red card. 
The only time you can you can do something to somebody's ear is in the World Cup if you're Luis Suarez. Right, exactly. Uh, um, this is, I, this I, I is think... ridiculous, guys. I mean, it's seriously, what the hell is Zlatan thinking? I mean, he, we heard, we, we, okay, hold on. We talked about how you have the potential for all this good and all this bad with Zlatan. We're seeing the bad part. Um, I said I said it on on Monday. Um, at the center of the galaxy, at the center of every galaxy, there is a black hole, and we're at the event horizon right now. Um, uh, well, well, don't get it twisted. We can de- we have not hit rock bottom yet. We I don't think we're anywhere close to hitting rock bottom. No, we're not hitting rock bottom. This is event horizon. Rock bottom was we're. Down deep in the black hole. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about. So, so look at. <laughs> so I for me, Zlatan. Look at the first whole first half. He just looked incredibly frustrated. Frustrated, like he's he usually looks in all of these games. Um, he just does not look happy, and um, he was not going to let someone step on him, man, or fuck up, or cuff his shoes. You know. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I don't know if he, I don't know if he forgets that there's. He, you know, since he's been here a little bit now already, that he forgets there's VAR and like things are he's gonna get caught with shit. But um, it, I was reading that Schmidt said Schmidt said uh, that Zlatan is fine. He says uh, he said after after the game he goes we have good conversations that we talk. He's been a pleasure to coach. It hasn't been an issue. Yeah, I'm just like with that face on the field, I can't believe you. Yeah, I just cannot believe you. Yeah, I, I, I can't believe anything that officially comes out of the galaxy. Uh, you know, coaching staff, front office uh, account, Twitter account. Um, we did see somebody posted that uh, Zlatan was pretty much bitching out his teammates at practice the other day um, and decided that practice was over and went into the locker room. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, but well, Siggy said a, it's fine. But Siggy said that, it's fine. That wasn't official. I, I think we're going on third-party bases and it's here. Sure, sure, sure. But, it's a rumor. Right, but, it's a rumor. A rumor. But is it more? But is it more or less credible than what Siggy says? Um, Do you believe Siggy more? No, no. I believe I, what I, I just I, see I, on the I field. Believe, I, believe I believe more what I exactly, just see on the field, and I exactly. go off of that. And, and what I see on the field is more leaning toward the other thing, not what. No, Siggy actually, said. I, I agree. Now, after, so here's a question that I wanted to ask, and maybe I'm jumping the gun here. Maybe I'm seeing something that it really isn't there, but the way Zlatan has been frustrated in the last few games, we, we've heard that he has. Um, chewed out his his uh, his teammates. Uh, that that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, Robbie Keane did it, and yeah, he does uh, it on the field too. Like, yeah, like, so, like Keane used to. Well, not as much as Keane. Uh, right, uh, but but the players obviously they're going to respect Zlatan. They're going to respect Keane. So th- there is that there. But the way I figured that this ego that I had mentioned uh, when the when the rumors first started and when we officially. Uh, it officially came out that we signed him. I said, look, obviously there's potential for good. There's potential for bad. And David said it. We're seeing the bad right now. And one of the things I had brought up is how do you put an ego like that into this locker room that at the time we figured it was pretty good. Is Lapton a problem in the locker room now? And has he kind of given up on the team? Because the way he exited the the field... And the way he kind of, quote-unquote, gave the captain's armband away, 
doesn't really look indicative of I'm happy to be here right now. Yeah. Um, he, he, he took his, his armband off. He was trying to hand it to somebody, neither, neither legit or I'm sorry, neither, uh, uh, Alessandrini or Ola Kamara were paying attention. So he just dropped it and it fell on the floor. Um, yeah, you can, I, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's like, um, it's like one of those magic eye tests. Like, you know, you can see it one way or somebody else can see it another way. Um, to me, what I found the most more interesting is Ola Kamara goes to pick up the armband and then Alessandrini just like demands it from him. And so Ola, in 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 what I think is probably what his personality is, he's like, all right, fine, whatever. That makes you happy. That's fine. And he gives it to Alessandrini. Alessandrini wears it. Um, and then, you know, when he's eventually subbed off, he gives it to, uh, Perry Kitchen, I believe, or he might have given it to no. Ola Kamara. He might've given it to Ola Kamara. Um, but Allison Dreening comes off the team, off the, the, the field, the field, and he is pissed like now, every like every game. And, 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 you know, he's kicking he kicks, stuff. He he's being petulant. Like yeah, he's being petulant. I mean, I, I'm really not liking what I'm seeing from Alessandrini right now. This is what I talked about a lot of, like, five podcasts ago, that this was going to continue from him. Uh, so, is Alessandrini a bad locker room guy this year? I, yeah, I, I, I think he, he is one of them. Um, I just think it's just, a, again, a frustration of not getting wins. Because they, ha- you know, they have been getting little chances here and there that just have not converted. Um and they're just not winning their games. I think if just if luck was just more on their side, it would be a lot different, to be honest. Going back to what David said about, or what we were talking about, how uh, Emma and Pontius were brought in for Allison Jean Legit, I go back to the starting formations or the starting lineups uh, when when we when we heard that Zlatan would be coming to the Galaxy, I said, look, you got nine positions out of ten locked because of who you are and because of how much you make, who is the one guy that is expendable to make way for Zlatan to play in a formation that, you know, w- would have Kamara and Zlatan on, uh, in on the field at the same time. The answer was Lejet. Lejet was the guy who was going to go to the bench so that you can have the four midfielders and the two forwards. So, because Gio and Jonah haven't played together, Siggy hasn't really had that problem uh, for most of the season. However, when you look at the subs, who do you sub out? So, we always figured that Gio and Jonah were untouchable. Not necessarily the case because you can cite injury or fatigue or whatever the hell excuse you have. Um, In this game, you figured, okay, with 10 men... I know everyone was pissed off, and obviously, watching the game, you, you got to figure why would you take off Alessandrini, who was the guy that was hustling and the guy was trying his hardest. Well, who else were you planning on taking off? You're playing down a man. You're focusing on defense, and if you're playing down a man, you should be focusing on defense anyway. You're trying to get out of there, not get scored on. So you can't take a defender out. So that leaves the back line completely untouchable. You can't take Perry Kitchen out for that same reason. You cannot take Ola Kamara out because it's your only threat. So that leaves Alessandrini, Legette, and Jonathan Dos Santos. Dos Santos, we know, was untouchable. So yeah, the the just by just by common sense logic 
and what you you had to have done based on those circumstances, those were the two substitutions that needed to be made, regardless but, of how unpopular it really was. But I, but I found it interesting that he did it at the same time. He did both both subs at the exact same time. They both came out the field. So that's that's the the, the really interesting part to me. So that I, makes I like. It seem- I, I that like was- the idea that you're injecting two guys. What one being the faster guy that can probably you know get behind the back uh, the back plan create something. The Pontius one uh, again. Who else were you going to put in there? Who on the bench are you going to trust to be a? Uh, uh, well, if you're looking for just defensive prowess, yes. But I, as you can tell, Siggy was still trying to find some sort of counter. I don't think that works if you put in Carrasco uh, in for. Either one of those players, because you're taking out uh, an offensive player for someone that's completely defensive. So that really doesn't work out. I think Siggy was still trying to win the game. They were, str- they were still trying to create something on the counter. And I think with a, a poor team like Montreal, that wasn't necessarily a bad idea that, hey, we can still steal three points even with a man down. And that's exactly what happened. So, yes, I have to give credit where credit is due, unfortunately, because it did work out that way. I know a lot of people aren't going to agree with that, and that's going to be an unpopular take. Um, people are not going to give credit to Siggy Schmidt here, and I understand why. I completely understand. But these were the substitutions that had to be made, and um, they worked out in this case. Um, it, it's really hard for me to argue um, taking off somebody else. I mean, you can say Jonathan Dos Santos, but he's he, he's one of the guys that you kind of need in there because if you are to create something, he's one of the guys that's going to help you do it. Um, you can make the case that you leave Alessandrini in, take Jonathan Dos Santos out, but then you lose your central um, your central midfielder because we know that Alessandrini in the middle doesn't work. So that kind of uh, stops the attack there. So you kind of had to leave Jonathan in there um, just to keep him in that central role. So yeah, I think as unpopular as it was, I think he actually, uh, Siggy Schmidt actually made the right decisions in the uh, in the substitutions. Uh, to at the same time, I kind of like that because uh, you're injecting, you know, twice the energy. I guess you can you can say, uh, and not necessarily waiting until it's too late to actually do something. So I think that the two substitutions was probably I, I like that idea. Um, I just wish there was a little bit more of a playmaker or a game changer than Chris Pontius. But there was no other option. So what are you going to do? Bobby. Yeah. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, I mean, we saw what he did. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, Thanks for the analysis. That's been Bobby's analysis moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so okay, so let's go back to Zlatan. Obviously, we're going to lose him uh, for the game on Friday against San Jose. Uh, kind of unfortunate because I kind of was hoping that Zlatan would slap a bitch from San Jose, preferably uh, Wanda Oh, That would have been so much nicer. Yeah, it yeah, would have been, been, you know. Been, uh, yeah, dude, did, did, did they forget to tell him, like, no, dude, it's the other blue and black team. Right, you're right. It's a slap. Uh, or kick in the chest, whatever. Um, Ooh, no. <laughs> Yeah, wh- whoever. And and, uh, and 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 on that and on that foul, hold on, hold on, going going back to that that red card real quick. Um, Siggy talked about how Siggy on the in the post game talked about how um, Patrasso steps on Zlatan, right? And Patrasso was like, "Oh, you know, like like they made it seem like it was an accident." 
right? And and anybody who's ever played soccer knows that, that that's how you that, act that's to yeah that's not that look like that's, an accident. That's not that an accident. One hundred percent, that's not an accident. That's not an accident. Go watch go watch the Mexico League. Go watch Mexican League. Go watch you know any lower. Everybody's division walking teams. backwards into yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you you know you you accidentally do stuff like that all the time, right? Um, I've seen that plenty. So that's, I think that he knew, the guy knew full well, like he attempted the first one and he, and Zlatan moved his foot. And then on the second one, he caught him with a cleat. And, and so I was, I was showing it to somebody and somebody was like, well, he just barely steps on him. And I'm like, no, that's a cleat. cleat. That's a metal cleat going into the top of your foot and then scraping that down. So yeah, Zlatan's, Zlatan's reaction is stupid. He should not have done that. That's absolutely a red card, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if MLS, um, you know, sus- suspends him for more than just one game. But do you really think that'll happen? Uh, I don't no, know. I it's it, it's 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 iffy. The way that MLS has been toward the Galaxy this year, I kind of feel like it might happen. Um, so here, here's my tip. But, but, but before you you finish your thought, let, let me let me just go ahead and, and comment on that. So MLS is going to be MLS. There's no way that they're going to want Zlatan on the bench for any game and they're they're not going to go out of their way to make sure that he doesn't play in a game that he can possibly sell out um, or at least sell more tickets to if he was anybody else yeah you probably see uh another game uh suspension one or two game suspension on top of the red card but here's the thing the game after san jose is a wednesday game at home against dallas you're not going to sell any more tickets than you were already going to sell for that game on a Wednesday night at mm. home. Yeah, They may very well take that one-game suspension because I don't think they're losing much. If no. this was a Saturday game against, say, one of the New York teams, Atlanta, or, you know, pretty much anybody else mm-hmm. on the road, I think you say, yeah, I think you learned your lesson. The red cards, one-game suspension is fine. But I think because they're playing at home on a Wednesday... I don't think it's out of the cards to believe that he would get suspended for one extra match. Cause I don't think the league loses out on anything there. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a good, that's a, that's a way to hedge that bet. Right. Um, anyway, uh, Patrese, Sorry, David. No, 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 that's fine. So after the, after the video review, Patrese gets, uh, gets a yellow card, right. For what I can only assume is the foul on Zlatan, stepping on his foot. Right. Uh, because to, to my, to my recollection, he didn't do anything else after Zlatan hit him that would have warranted a, a, a yellow card. So, like in situations like that, when you have two players um, involved in something like that, usually what happens is, you know, if, if there was an accidental, you know, uh, stepping or whatever it might be, uh, the other player reacts, and then the the player who did the uh, the first action retaliates you know, with like an elbow or, you know, a kick out or whatever it might be. Um, so why does, why does Petroso get a yellow card? Um, Siggy's got a good point here. Like, unless the step was intentional, there's no reason to give that guy a yellow card right there. That was a, an accident, right? And if you're going to give a guy a yellow card for fouling Zlatan before he gets smacked like a bitch, it's in the box. It's off the ball. That's at least, if not, if it's not a penalty, it's at least a free kick from the box. What do you guys think? Well, I, I think was it's hearing, 
Sorry about I was that. hearing well I was hearing other people's um I, um ideas that um he got a yellow card for um uh faking faking uh, an injury after Slatan slapped him slapped his bitch ass in the face. Then well if that's the case and he's faking an injury then it's still a foul by that in the box. by yeah. that logic then Zlatan shouldn't have gotten a card if it was exaggerated per se but Siggy makes a great point because I have to agree that he got a yellow card for stopping on Zlatan's foot. And, yeah, by definition, if you're calling that a foul, it's in the box. You got to call that foul first. You got to call the reaction second, which was absolutely a red card. He makes a good point. Luckily, in this case, it didn't hurt us. It, it was still a win. Um, who knows how we would have played in the second half being up by a goal. At 1-0, obviously we would have bunkered down completely. Who knows if it would have ended up 1-1. I don't think we go out and try to look for another goal. So maybe it plays out differently. Maybe it was a blessing in disguise. Who knows? Um, that's one way you can spin it. At the end of the day, it didn't hurt us. Uh, we still got the victory. We still got three points. No matter how ugly it was, no matter how undeserving it was, it, uh, three points is three points. You got to take it. In a season like this, you got to take it. You got to find any positive that is given to you, any positive that you are able to muster up. After a four game losing streak, uh, you totally needed this. Going into a rivalry game, this is the time you start building momentum. Uh, a, a, a scrappy win against uh, uh, against Montreal in a stadium that they never uh, won in, by the way. This is the first victory ever uh, in Montreal for the Galaxy. And then beating your rivals. You, you might start uh, picking up that momentum that uh, that you probably should have picked up uh, two games ago. Yeah, so, and, and and you talked about it in Balls and Beers, um, and maybe this this uh, leads into the next thing you're going to say is uh, we're going up against San Jose and without Zlatan, so now we're going to be forced to be more dynamic. Right, and 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 so if you haven't listened to Balls and Beers, go ahead and listen to that. But since in pot, I'll say it again. Uh, we're we're going to be down Zlatan for the, the game against San Jose because of the red card. So Ola Kamara is going to be the target striker. He's going to be in position. He's going to be happy. Uh, chances are he's going to score. If he's scoring out of position, he's probably going to score in position, you would think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the offense is not going to be one-dimensional. The offense is not going to be running through uh, Zlatan. More than likely, it's going to be running through Jonathan Dos Santos uh, should he be playing in that central role. Not him... Now you have that Alvini and Legit. They have to create something now. It's not going to go running through Zlatan. Now they have options. I think that the rhythm is going to be back for the Galaxy. Uh, before Zlatan came in, you saw that the Galaxy were playing a little bit better uh, than they did once Zlatan came in. I think for that reason, this offense is going to look a lot more... It's going to sound really weird that with... Uh, 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 an offense without Zlatan is less dynamic than one with one. So um, I think that you're going to see a lot of chances created uh, for the Galaxy on Friday. Um, they need to finish them. Uh, they're playing against a very, very bad San Jose side. Uh, they, they they should, and again, the, the key word, should, be taking three points out of this game. Um, hopefully, they don't shoot themselves in the foot. Hopefully, that back line is... Uh, is up to the task, and hopefully Bingham remembers who he's playing for. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, look at, 
Jeez, uh, man. Uh, I'm, I may not be as optimistic as you, Lewis, um, because this team, not only are they not great on attack, they're not really great in the midfield, and they don't know how to actually even move the ball forward. Um, it's really difficult for them, whether it's Latan or not. They have problems with that. I'm hoping that chills out this game because, we, of course, we need them a win against our, our rivals. Um, but I don't know, man. I mean, that's why I listen to Balls and Beers, and you'll know what my confidence level was for this game. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Both Dave. At, 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 the end, at the end of it all, fuck San Jose. Exactly. Oh, yes. Well, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Come on. There's no need to say it. There's no need to say it. Just never mind. Mu- never mind. Never mind that I locked and doubled San Jose. Fuck them. Fuck them. No. Uh, so a uh, uh, good opportunity for the Galaxy. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they play without Zlatan. And of course, um, should they play better and get the three points and look good doing it? Um, and let's that say nice. that let's say Zlatan does get that extra game suspension where he's out for Dallas. By the way, three games in ten days—that is tough. That's really tough. Granted, that two of those games are at home. Uh, you had a long travel uh, to to go to Montreal, one of the longest in the in the country or cross country, I guess. Um, and uh, four days later, you got to play uh, again across the country at home, another game. And then not even the following weekend, a midweek game on Wednesday, you play yeah. again. Um, that's tough. That is really, really tough. And um, I don't know who the fuck did the scheduling, but goddamn, they just obviously did not like the Galaxy. Um, that's a tough stretch games regardless of who you're playing. You can play the bottom three in, in the conference or in the league. It doesn't matter. That's that's really tough to ask for a lot of uh, uh, the players to, to play that many minutes in such a short period of time. But... Um, should Zlatan get that extra game suspension and not be there for the Dallas game? They're playing that game at home as well. And they play well. Wow, you got a controversy there. Because I don't think that would be a coincidence. If the Galaxy get two victories and started playing better without Zlatan in the mix, obviously he's not going to be on the bench. But does Ziggy have the balls to use him as a super sub? Well, this is a this is where the your your scenario of uh, MLS suspending Zlatan uh, another game comes into play here because if he they if they do and they beat San Jose and they beat Dallas then you kind of have to right you would you kind of have to use him off the bench I mean he won't but you might have to I I think that this is probably. Um, well, uh, again, we're going to have to see how it plays out. But just the way your formations are, the way you're using the players, um, the results on the field, if they should go your way, I mean, if all the evidence is there, I mean, you got to do it. But I doubt that th- there's just no way that you're going to use a guy like that as a super sub, even though we talked about it in the beginning of the of the season that, he, you know, he's getting up there in age. Can he really go 90 minutes and... You know, and we were fine uh, with the super sub. Concept. Yeah, we were fine. In fact, Josh Gessman even said that he is the rich man's Alan Gordon, and and he kind of said it as a joke. But at the same time, you know what? That kind of makes sense. And, and um, again, if the results go our way in the next two games, and again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But if they go our way in the next two games, that actually may not be a uh, a horrible strategy, especially when you're down a game. Uh, we saw what he did against LAFC. We saw what he did against, um, oh, at Chicago he started, though. But 
Yeah. We'll just have to take that wait and see approach again. It's it, it, it's interesting because as MLS moves away from from the older uh, aging stars um, coming into the league and, and making uh, less and less of an impact, um, they introduced. Uh, what they're calling uh, young, like young Tam or something like that. It's uh, it's like young player acquisition money. Um, they're going to introduce it at the uh, at the start of the window um, when it opens up again in in the summer. Um, and this is specifically for teams. It's extra money for these for teams to go out and buy uh, players outside of MLS that are under twenty. Um, and I think they have like a total of $3 million over the course of three years to use on a player, including transfer fees. So, um, this isn't quite a second, uh, young DP, but this is more of a, uh, you know, of, of Tam for young guys. Um, I think they, I think their MLS is, um, missing an opportunity to call it uh PY Tam, but Ultimately, it's this is a this is a mechanism for for um, for teams to bring in young players from uh, you know outside of MLS, uh, and and to me this seems like a this seems like a bad deal for homegrowns because they can't use it for for homegrown players. They can't use it to um, they're basically using it to bring in young guys that they haven't developed. Um, and when you have a, a league. Whose one of their main goals is to develop players. Um, this seems like they're kind of moving away from that. Um, I'm not sure if they're necessarily moving away from that. I I see where you're going with that. It doesn't really help the fact that uh, homegrowns will probably have a, a tougher hill to climb here uh, with bringing foreign talent uh, uh, because what you're really doing is developing that young foreign talent. And you're seeing that happen around the league. I mean, not in the galaxy, but you're seeing it happen around the league. And, uh, I think this is a, a, a subject that I don't want to get too deep into because we can be here all night. Um, and Bobby will, you know, not be happy with me. Uh, but just in the middle of texting you and I accidentally texted to my brother. <laughs> there you go. He's going to get a text. Um, okay. Move on to the stuff. <laughs> The next um, yeah, <laughs> well, uh, so uh, I, I don't want to jump into too much of that, but well, honestly, hold on because I this isn't necessarily. Mm, it, well, it, it doesn't affect the galaxy because they're not out there looking for young talent uh, outside of MLS. Um, they're looking. They're looking on the other uh, on the other end, which is which is why I think it's it's related here, and it's not necessarily for foreign talent because they can buy young Americans and bring them into the league. They can buy like Weston McKinney. They can buy. Uh, Shaq Moore, they can buy guys like that and bring them into the league on a higher uh, salary um, without making them a DP. So I think that there's a mechanism for uh, MLS teams to go out there and buy these young guys. But as you said, it, it makes the homegrowns um, with a, uh, a tougher hill to climb. And, uh, and with that being said, for the first time in a while, the turning... To a uh, returning segment to the show, there's a U.S. men's national team roster. Oh, uh, yeah. dude, I just finished saying that Bobby doesn't want me to talk for all night. <laughs> uh, Try not to go all night, please. But we uh, also we do we, we, 
we do have a special guest uh, on Balls and Beers that we did talk about uh, a, a few things with. It was uh, Mr. Franco Paniso. So let me put that audio in before Lewis starts splatting Since all this you, shit out. You have so been covering uh, the national team in MLS uh, for nearly a decade now. Um, so the World Cup is just around the corner. And it still hurts. The United States is not in the World Cup. Um, there was a squad uh, that was released uh, about a little less than a week ago. Uh, the the next generation, per se. What are your thoughts about the next generation going into 2022? It's a promising generation. A lot of uh, prospects, a lot of talented prospects. Uh, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, Matt Miazga. Uh, you have plenty of, of talent and potential in there, but that's what it is. It's talent and potential. Um, you know, right now the focus is on, on the young guys and, you know, soccer is trying to tout and, and sell. It's like, all right, we have a lot of, you know, up and comers, um, getting looks now. And I mean, that's, that's pretty much what they have to do. They, I mean, they, unfortunately, you know, they should be selling like, Hey, we're about to play in the world cup and we're you know going to try to make a run in, in this tournament and do better than we ever have. Um, but unfortunately, you know, for the U S they, they didn't qualify, um, so it's, it's just a bunch of young guys getting looks, getting earlier looks than they would, nor- would normally, um, under normal circumstances. Um, you know, and, and as much as people are going to make, you know, make big, uh, assessments of how, um, these players do in these friendlies and camps and, and granted, you know, you do take, you do take positive and negative and, and you, and you, you bring that into the analysis, but, uh, overall, these guys are still fairly young. Almost all of them are still, um, with, have plenty of room to grow, so, um, if a guy has a great game, let's not make him, you know, the the, the next um, superstar. And if like, some guys have some bad games, it doesn't mean let's write them off. There's been plenty of stories where players develop uh, later on in their careers, and then they go on and, and become national team contributors. And there's plenty of people that show a lot of uh, bright flashes early on, and, and then they don't pan out to, to be all that much in, in the grand scheme of things in, in, in the, on the international level. So um, I would just caution that, you know, we're going to see good and bad from, from players um, – in this friendly coming up against Bolivia and the other summer friendlies. Um, but again, just take it with a, with a grain of salt. It's a bunch of young guys playing together. And these games are essentially uh, meaningless. There's nothing on the line um, except for just a chance to, to, to get some experience. So um, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what some of these guys, young guys can show, but again, it's, it's very early for all of them. So uh, let's not right. make too much of it either way. Yeah, absolutely, and there's some things in there that I definitely agree with. If you if you show uh, flashes of brilliance, don't make them you know the, the new superstar. Don't make them the the savior uh, of the program because we've done that too often. Um, so we got young players, lots of room to develop, and you mentioned potential. That is our favorite word to use when describing uh, young talent um, uh, for for the national team. What makes this crop of players different than previous generations? Oh, they're just more seasoned pros, and, and some of them are already playing it at higher levels. Uh, you know, Weston McKinney has talked about quite a bit. He's, he's already playing in the German Bundesliga. He's got a few reps. And it's, and, um, but, but again, it's, it's early. It's early for, for a lot of these players. Um, so you can, never, you, can, you, you, you can get hopeful. You can hope for, you know, you can have... Uh, expectations for what you want or what you think these players can be. But at the same time, like you have to let them kind of develop and then um, go into their, their careers and see, see where they fall. Uh, Touting these guys as, as like the next big thing um, so early usually will set you up for, for disappointment because with expectations can come to disappointment. And 
Um, you know, it, it, it takes a lot for a player to consistently be uh, at the top level. So um, if, if these young guys, yeah, these young guys are playing at, at, at bigger clubs, maybe they're seeing more minutes on the first team. Maybe they're, they're having bigger, bigger performances, bigger uh, impacts for these teams. But again, um, it's early. Um, you know, a lot of things can happen in a career. So uh, give these guys some time to grow. Give these times, give these guys uh, a chance to, to develop. Uh, that doesn't mean that they don't warrant criticism or praise. Uh, that's not what I'm saying at all. That comes with the territory of being a professional. But let's not, let's not all of, all of a sudden, uh, you know, make them out to be the next Landon Donovan or, or you know, make them out to be the next uh, Chris Wondolowski. So, um, just, just, you know, just yep. give, them, give them a chance, you know, watch, watch how they do, uh, you know, form, people form their opinions, but let, let's, let's give these guys a chance to, 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 to really uh, show what they've got over a, a prolonged period of time. Yeah. Right. Ho- hopefully never the next Chris Wondolowski. Hey man, <laughs> not every player is going to pan out, man. Some player is going to pan out and, 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 and look uh, really good and become, you know, full-time national teamers and have great careers in, in Europe or MLS. And some guys, you know, oh, I mean, one of the last guys had a great career in MLS, but, you know, some guys just won't cut it on the international level. Um, and that's just that's just how it is, man. It's a numbers game. Um, and, and yeah, I, actually, I... I actually think that's a, that that was a common problem for uh, for uh, forwards uh, or American forwards. You saw it with Taylor Twellman. You saw it with uh, Chris Wondolowski. Uh, you saw it with Roy Lasseter when he was playing uh, uh, with the national team. So I don't know what it was the, about MLS strikers that really uh, that their their level of play couldn't uh, be raised for the international level. But you're right. I mean, we just have to take a wait and see approach. And some players pan out, others don't. Um, I think. Well, I shouldn't say this, but. I always believed that the United States qualifying for the World Cup was a foregone conclusion. I got to figure that this little hiccup uh, is a wake-up call and that we'll be right back into the World Cup in 2022, and here's to not jinxing that. But um, what are some realistic expectations for that team, uh, assuming that they would qualify for uh, 2022? It's so far away, man. I can't. I honestly couldn't, couldn't tell you at this point. I mean, it's just... It's it's too far. I mean, so many things can change in four years, uh, four and a half years. Um, you know, we're not, we haven't even passed this World Cup, um, so we don't even know if this World Cup, this next World Cup, is going to be uh, the standard 32 teams that we've been accustomed to, or if it's going to go to 48. Because I know uh, Conmebol is trying to already make a petition to, to make it go to 48 um, for for this uh, for this next World Cup. Um, so uh, it's it's early to say, man. So there's promise, there's potential, there's there's talent in the pipeline. Um, but I mean, you know, we, we just have to wait and see because, um, youth and youthful exuberance is good and all that, but at the same time, also need some, some veterans in there uh, to help lead the way along during the course of the, of the qualifying cycle. So, um, we'll see which veterans, if any, get brought back. We'll see who takes the, who steps up and, and, and fulfills those, uh, those veteran roles and, and, um, becomes leaders and, and who takes accountability and, I mean, it's 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 very early. It's it's way too early for me for me to like really like. I'm 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 all about having opinions. I'm all about having some discourse. But I think it's just for me, it's just way too early to, to say what we can expect from them four or five years from now. When we especially when we don't even know you know the format of the tournament. It'll probably be 32, but you never know with FIFA. So yeah, FIFA's gonna FIFA. Uh, fair enough. That's a pretty fair answer. Um, last question. 
so the officially the United States still does not have a coach. Uh, Serkin is still interim. Uh, uh, no coach has been named. Uh, I think they're waiting on the this new general manager position to actually fill out that spot. Uh, another you know big question mark there. But uh, the New York teams. Um, I mean, Patrick Vieira, rumored to be on his way out, rumored to be U.S. men's national team coach. Jesse Marsh, rumored to be uh, U.S. men's national team coach. A lot of people are asking for Tata Martino. Are you hearing any whispers? How does that, uh, how's that going? It's still very up in the air, man. Dave Sarakin's still, uh, you know, taking control of this camp. Um, and I, I hear it's very much up in the air, and I hear you know, there's talks, but nothing, nothing concrete, nothing I can really share that you know, that I've heard. That I'm like, here, here's a name, here's a two, you know, to throw out there. Um, I have, in my opinion, guys that I think would, would potentially be good fits. Um, but I mean, right now, as far as concrete news, I mean, I, on my end, I don't have much, much to offer. Um, there's, there's just still um, so much to be be determined with, with these positions, with the general manager position, and then. And then after that, the head coach. Um, I think I think it'll happen after the World Cup. Um, obviously, at this point, it's pretty much um, it's pretty much clear that, that, that that's what's going to happen. Um, so uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, fairly soon, uh, we have a month of, of big games, big international games. The U.S. unfortunately uh, is not a part of. But uh, after that, we can really get into to the nitty gritty of uh, all right. Who, it's time to really start preparing for the next cycle and then. You know this cycle, 2018 is is done. So let's let's see who who gets appointed and who's taking uh, charge of, of this project. Uh, yeah. Franco, you can you can give me a yes or no answer on this one. Um, the guys you have in your head are the American. Uh yeah, there's some of them. Some of them are American. <laughs> I mean, like at this point, at this point, you can't rule anybody out, um, and you can't like uh, you know you can't just say a foreign is wrong or American's wrong like. At this point, you know everything needs to be on the table. After failing to qualify for a World Cup, there's no uh, perfect solution. You know you need to be open to ideas um, and open to different uh, scenarios, open to different coaches. Um, because I think that's part of how how this whole mess started is is just getting stuck in in one kind of mindset, one kind of uh, line of thinking, and then um, that backfiring. So uh, I think U.S. soccer as a whole needs to needs to just be a little more uh, open in terms of uh, thinking of, of who to hire and, and, and how they go about it, uh, and 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 we'll go from there. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. It, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting because uh, there's a lot riding on on whoever's next next in charge. It's going to be a lot of pressure, um, given how you know how bad this this World Cup uh, cycle went. So um, it'll be interesting to see who who's who they who they line up. It'll be interesting to see who takes it, and it'll be interesting to see who, how how he does. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Franco. I appreciate uh, your, your thoughts about the the current state of the national team and what the future may or may not hold for them. It's Tinkerbell. And, and we're back. And I like how he ends that. Uh, uh, so, all right, guys, so we're back. So, David, Lewis, go for it, Lewis. So, we got a roster here that, obviously, we're going into games that don't mean a thing where we've said that they're not going to play a meaningful game till sometime next, uh, next year. So out with the old in with the new, you got a bunch of young guys, uh, coming into this camp for the, uh, uh the Bolivia game, uh, a couple of surprises here and there, but nothing, you know, 
completely out of the you know out of the ordinary. Uh, most of the uh, MLS guys were uh, untouched simply because they're still. Uh, playing a season there's no really any reason to call them in at this point so you're calling in guys who play in Europe whose seasons are all but over and um, what what I'm seeing on social media is that everyone is optimistic about the future that the future looks bright uh, because we have uh, a slew of talent like young talent coming in and what is our favorite word to use to describe any sort of young talent on the national team. In fact, it's not our favorite word. It's our only word that we can use to describe young talent. Potential. That's all it is. Potential. God, I love that word so much. Uh, This team has so much potential. If this was the potential World Cup, we'd be in the running for our fifth in a row now. Um, Yeah, I'm tired of hearing that. I I don't want to hear anything about potential. I want Results. I want to see it happen. I want to see these guys make it. I want to see Christian Pulisic, the average player. We talked about this. He cannot be the superstar if you're serious about what you're trying to accomplish. He needs to be the average player, not the uh, not the bar setter. But um, that being said, a bunch of young guys that you hope will break through in Europe. Uh, including uh, players like uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers, uh, Matt Miazga, Eric Palmer-Brown, um, Weston McKinney, um, Tim Weah is probably the, the the new sensation, and uh, oh, Julian Green, remember that guy? He has <laughs> that a was a surprise kid. to me, Julian that Green. Was, I can't you're right. That, that was yeah, that was a surprise there. Yeah, so I mean, you got a, a, a bunch of young guys. Actually, you know who else was kind of surprising? Uh, Bill Hamid. Because Bill Hamid was actually, like, left out of the national team radar for quite a long time. He's back in it. Yeah, so but I, I heard that he's was not a... doing so well in, uh, yeah. in, in in Denmark, which is interesting what? to me. The, to me, the more, the more interesting goalkeeper here is uh, Alex Bono. Alex yep. Bono getting a call. And yeah. uh, if, we're, if we're looking at um, the goalkeeper pool, Alex Bono, Bill Hamid, and Ethan Horvath, I mean, why not bring in Tim Melia? Uh, or Zach Steffen. Or Zach Steffen, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Like I'd rather see Zach Steffen, to be honest, than uh, Bill Hamid. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I have to agree with you there. I think I think Horvath is the. Uh, I, I don't want to. Well, no, I, I want to say he's a front runner. I want to say mm. he's a front runner uh, because who else are you going to put in there? Tim Howard is done. Brad yeah. Buzan is done. Nick Ramondo is done. Those are your three that you mm. use for the past two cycles or so. Um, yeah, it's been between Hamid and Johnson. Uh, yeah, and I think Johnson was uh, like like Hamid. They were uh, they were kind of exiled. They were like, okay, they, they they didn't pan out the way we thought, and that's why I kind of was surprised that 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 Hamid, that Hamid got called back, especially hearing that he wasn't in in, in his uh, top form. So, if I'm well, if I'm giving my opinion here, I think Horvath actually is. The uh, the front runner. It's not saying much because the goalkeeper position is one that's been kind of steady for us since 1994. Because even at the time, Tony Miola was you know the guy yeah. um, I, I, during that era, and we never had to look back. I, I think this might be a weak spot, which is a first uh, since I started following the national team. Um, but I think Horvath is the front runner. 
I'm not sure why uh, Team Milia and uh, Zach Steppen isn't in here, but I got to assume that it is because of the MLS season. But well, Alex Bono's that, that, in there. But Alex Bono, exactly. That's, that's what I was going to say, which is why Alex Bono is even more of a surprise. Um, then you got a couple other guys like uh, Villafania, who, who, who's been on the team before, uh, Walker Zimmerman, who's, uh, who's had uh, some caps, uh, Eric Lehigh's been on there, Joe Corona's on there. Uh, Rubio Rubin, remember that guy oh, as well? Joe Joe Corona coming from the ashes, right? Yeah, like right. Who, we I thought we were done with Joe Corona like six years ago. Right, exactly. But there he is. But again, it's it, it, it's a roster that is, um, uh, you know, they're not playing in a meaningful game. They're playing for a coach that is going to be gone, uh, probably by the end of the uh, this year, sometime after the World Cup. I'm sure that they're gonna they're gonna announce it maybe like in September. My, my guess would be. Um, so that the coach has enough time to start developing whatever it is that he wants to develop. Um, we heard um, uh, during the interview about, uh, you know, possible names out there. Um, Jesse Marsh. I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued by that. I think maybe four years ago I would have been like, no. Mm, I might be uh, changing tunes a little bit here. Um, of course, if you're giving me the option, I would still take Tata Martino in a heartbeat. Um, honestly, if... Uh, the United States has or is serious about still reaching that next level, but uh, doing it in a manner that the coach understands its players and uh, understands the league and uh, the style of play. I think Tata Martino is actually up there. I, I really do. I mean, he came into this league, he embraced it, he followed its rules, he, he put his style in it, and they've been flourishing. Um, he's not going to have a player like Almiron, but he is going to have... Uh, young talent that he can develop. So um, I don't think uh, Tata Martino's off um, um, off the table here. Uh, I think Jesse Marsh is an interesting dark horse. I wouldn't be too upset, but you know, I think for what he's done in New York, uh, I think he kind of deserves a shot. Um, yeah, he, he, what he's done with the Red Bulls has been interesting to say the least. And, and, um, I think he has them playing really well, even when he has to bring in, um, players that aren't, uh, aren't a, you know, a plus, um, he makes them work. And, and so, uh, I, I like his philosophy and one of the things, um, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit in MLS recap, um, when, uh, when when I saw him interact with Kamar Lawrence after uh, his freak injury um, over the weekend, um, it it, yeah, it kind of warmed my heart a little bit. I, I think it was like, hey, there, there's a guy who clearly cares about his players, and who who is um, who's got a lot of fire. So uh, you know, I I think that Jesse Marsh, he wouldn't be a, the sexy pick, but he would certainly I think have something to bring to the table. Um, I think he, he obviously he understands the league. He understands uh, the players in MLS. He understands the American players. Um, and he will incorporate, I mean, for what he's done in New York with, uh, you know, you're running full speed at 90 minutes. You're, you're going back and forth. You're playing both offense and defense at the same time. I think that's something that was sorely missed uh, on the national team for quite a while. It was either one or the other. I think he incorporates both. So I think it's a really interesting pick. Should he, uh, get that job, whether it works on the national team, whether he's able to up his game and raise a level of, of uh, coaching, uh, once it comes to the international game, 
um, is yet to be seen. Uh, it, it's not as proven as a Tato Martino, but um, at the very least, I think he deserves a shot. But based on what has happened to this program, not qualifying for the World Cup, I don't think it's about who deserves it. It's about who the right choice is. And uh, that's a trickier question to, to answer. I guess we'll never know, right? No, we're, we're going to have to know. Someone's going to be <laughs> named head coach. <laughs> so, uh, All right. But yeah. All right. Well, is that, do we have any more things to say? Is that the last, any last words? Right, that, go, go check out Balls and Beers. Go check out MLS Recap. Like, share, do all the things. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. This is LA is our house, episode 113. I'm here with David and Lewis. Good night, everybody. See you guys next week. And this is Bobby. Later. How long was that show, Bobby? I don't know. I haven't done the math yet. Because okay. <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't pay attention to what we Because there's started. a lot of cuts. After an hour. Oh. I know. Well, not, a lot, sure not a lot of cuts. After. I'm just. Yeah, yeah. It's not a lot of cuts. I'm just saying I, I made a lot of marks for putting different things. So I'm just looking at the timetables and. They're all different, you know, numbers, so I can't really tell the math. It's over an hour for sure. Yeah, I think we probably talked 50 minutes and then we, uh, or maybe about, maybe about 55 minutes and then the the Franco Panizo interview was another 11 minutes. So, yeah, over an hour. Yeah, quite a bit. All right, so let's start MLS recap. I did not watch any of the fucking games this weekend. None? None. Dude, you were talking on stuff. It was the one week. No, it was, no. No, he, he only commented on... Uh, I'm like, did I? <laughs> yeah, you were commenting no, on the no, Minnesota went, game. You were commenting on the Atlanta game. No, you, were, no, you weren't. Yeah, no, you were, Bob. He, he co- no, he commented on the Atlanta-New York game. That's it, because he went completely silent on Saturday. Yeah, because I wasn't... Was I home? No, because I was over there with uh, Leah and them, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All day. Yeah, all he day. went oh, completely you were watching, cause... You were watching the Minnesota-Kansas uh, uh, City game. I know that for sure. I did watch that. I did watch that one. Um and then the New York one. And then the one... What was the game in the middle? DC? DC. No. Um, ah, it was... Because um, I know I was, Portland. I was like... Portland. No, that I was Saturday. Paying, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't paying it. Well, I know I wasn't paying too much attention. Um, all right. Well, let's start. All right. Let's start. All right. Let me get my timetable here. Should I open my notes? Should you what? Uh, yes, because I have a was it a Golazo? Oh, probably yeah. wasn't. <laughs> it definitely wasn't. <laughs> it probably wasn't. <laughs> All right, hold on. I was trying to think Jose and, and Madam thinks everything is a Golazo, too. <laughs> All right, five like, seconds. Like most of them say, I'm like, no. Thank you for listening to LA is Our House. Follow us on our website, laisourhouse.com, and sign up for our monthly newsletter for upcoming articles and special content. Follow us on our Twitter for all of the up-to-date news in our soccer world. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you in the next episode.